0: Yo, yo, yo. We are live. Today I have the man himself, Dakota Robertson, on the podcast. How are you doing today, man?
1: I am peachy keen, sunshine and rainbows. I can't complain. Are you doing good, sir?
0: I'm doing great. It's so funny because I think that's the exact same response you gave <laughs> when I asked you how are you doing a year ago today on the podcast. It was like almost a year ago today.
1: <laughs> I'm an NPC. I just I have this, this store dialogue where it's- yes. <laughs> Press X to interact. Yeah, that's, yeah, I have my things. I got to switch it up. <laughs>
0: no, it's awesome. It's on brand. Uh, it's funny because you have that like carefree, like funny nature, but the tattoo you just got seems like a very serious endeavor. So can you explain yeah. what that is and what is the meaning behind it? Why did you get it?
1: Yeah, so I don't think you can see it from this angle. Um, it's it's really small and detailed, but it's uh, it's a painting called The Death of Socrates, and I got it because I really love the story behind it. I also think it's a beautiful painting, but the painting depicts the final moments of Socrates. And to give you backstory to the final moments of that, uh, so Socrates, he was spitting the philosophy back in the day. He was, you know, educating the youth and all that stuff. But the, some of the, his teachings were going against what the state wanted, And he was basically making people think for themselves, question things. And what happened was the state said, hey, you're corrupting the youth. They charged him with that and they put him on trial. They say, hey, in six months or however long, you're going to be put on trial for corrupting the youth. And it was basically telling him, like, get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, you better get out or you're going to face consequences. And he decided, like, no, I'm going to stand trial. I'm going to state my case. And. I'm gonna represent myself, I'm gonna stand up for what I believe in. So he did that, didn't really go his way, and they him sentenced him to death. And from my understanding, I believe he had another opportunity to, you know, escape, get out. He had the opportunity, he had connections, all that, but he chose to just take the sentencing and he and he stood by his his values and his beliefs, and he drank the poison from the hemlock and went out on his terms. It was Basically, uh, made him a martyr because he, you know, he just just took it, and I, I really respected that. I think it was a, a great story about sticking by your values and having integrity, and uh, and also accepting death. I mean, he was toward the later part of his life when uh, he got sentenced, but uh, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't scared of death, or he accepted it. He's probably scared, but uh, he accepted it and I I respected that and I liked that a lot. So that's why I got, I also wanted tattoos. So I was like, I want something meaningful.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And why out of any story you could have picked, why was that one especially meaningful to you?
1: I like to think I live with integrity. I don't like just going around saying, oh yeah, I'm so, uh, I got so much integrity, but I just look at different moments in my life where I could have chose money over uh integrity and sacrifice that but I I I mean there there has been times where you know I I don't make the the best choices but I think more often than not like I I do make the right choice and I do help people and I I I sacrifice a lot to help people and I I'm I, that's a value I don't ever want to lose cuz I see a lot of these people making all this money but they're doing it in a shitty way where they're I don't know fake testimonials or like they're screwing people over and I was I never want to get rich or make money screwing anybody over and even in anything in life not just with like making money but I don't know just getting opportunities like I just don't I don't want to hurt people along the way like I, I think I believe everyone can win and uh yeah, I just I just want to live a life with integrity. I I just like the the meaning behind it. I also really like the aesthetics of tattoos. Like I'm just I'm more creative, I think, and I think that's why I'm drawn to tattoos. But I've wanted one since I was sixteen. And I'm twenty six now, so it's I've I just like took a lot of consideration into finding a really good artist and finding the right tattoo. Uh shout out to Noah Bissy. Uh he's an amazing tattoo artist. Best one I came across. Uh he did my stuff. Um, but uh yeah.
0: It looks incredible, man. No, I love the meaning behind it too. I've been thinking about getting one in the same spot, actually, like right on the forearm. But it's such a big decision. Like it's, it's a one way yeah. door. You can't go back. Unless yeah. you're gonna go through a lot of pain. And that one looks like it probably took a very long time. It's very detailed.
1: It um, took seven hours. Yeah. The last hour is like, oh yeah. And I didn't really have music or anything. I was just like I was just in it. It was it was a good time to practice stoicism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and it seems like Over the past year, I'm sure a lot has changed since we last talked, because last time we talked, it was last February, I believe, February 2023. And that was kind of this huge crux point for you in terms of business, because you just launched Growth Ghost for the first time, which I was in. By the way, if anybody's considering, definitely join Dakota's cohort. It it actually changed the direction of my life. Uh, So I'm very grateful for you for that. But over the past year, after you've had these huge launches, right, you've gone through multiple cohorts, how has your relationship with business and money and progress and pushing forward changed over the past year?
1: Yeah, that's when I really, really realized what I had built and the leverage that came with it. So up until that point, I was ghostwriting for other people and doing a lot of work and building my brand at the same time. And right before I launched that cohort, actually, I was, man, I was scared. I was like, I don't know if it's gonna do well. I don't know how like to really, you know, run a cohort, I've never done this before. And I was very nervous and I, I just didn't, I just had these limiting beliefs. I actually recorded a video just talking about that when, at, during the time, I was just, right before the launch, I recorded a video of me talking to the camera, just going through my thoughts. I'm glad I did because I, I think it's, um, it's a good reminder of where people are at different stages of the journey. Cause at the time I had a big audience and a lot of people, when they see somebody with a big audience, they think they have it all figured out and they go, oh, they're great and amazing. Man, I was scared shitless to launch. And I know a lot of the, these big creators, all of them have some kind of insecurity or they're, they're scared of um, doing things. And um, yeah, it, w- it was crazy for me because that launch went really, really well. Uh, the cohort went really, really well. And I've just iterated from there and gotten better, but uh yeah, man, it just really it made me realize just what I had built and the leverage that comes along with building a personal brand. Like I realized it before, but not to that degree because I made my first launch like one hundred fifty five thousand dollars in one month, and now like the, with the payment plans, it was, I think it was like two hundred and something thousand. So it was absolutely ridiculous to make that in a month and. And I did that with uh, the cohorts after as well. So it was just like, holy shit, like this is crazy. Just make more money than I even knew what to do with. Well, I I did. I spent it on uh, coaching (laughs) and mentorship to learn more. Um, But yeah, it it really like, it was cool because I just like, at that point, I was like, oh, like, you know, it's, it's just like money. Like it just loses a lot of its meaning at that point, which is cool. I think that's like the ultimate cycle it's like you money's everything you're doing everything to make money and then you find come to this point of leverage you make a ton of money and the thing you're like working so hard toward in the end was like oh it's just like it's just you know doesn't mean that much it's like whatever um i already i, I already experienced that with crypto a bit because i made a decent amount with crypto and uh it was like oh it's just numbers on a screen it's like it just gets gets rid of the annoyances and the pains in your life like oh i don't got to worry about paying for an uber or like figuring stuff out you just pay someone to do that
0: yeah but yeah Yeah, it's like the end of that naval thread how to get rich it's like do this for 10 years you'll get what you want but then you'll realize it's not really what you wanted in the first place like yeah i'm not at that stage where like you make so much money that you don't have to think about it really anymore at least for a short period of time but Mm. i can imagine maybe i'm wrong but i can imagine that once you make a huge sum of money like that it might reveal new problems in your life that you thought money was going to solve, but then you're like, "Oh wait, like my day to day existence is not that different." So, did any of yeah. that come up?
1: Yeah, man. It well, it's funny too because I remember when I heard my friend Dan Dan Co hit his first fifty k month, and my jaw literally dropped to the floor. Well, not literally, but it dropped. It literally dropped. I was like, "What? You can make that in a month?" I thought. 10 or 20k a month was like the upper echelon and when i heard that it just it 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 switched a belief in my head of what was possible like you make 50k and then i heard someone else made 100k in a month and i was like what you can make that much i just like i couldn't even fathom making that much money in a month and then I started to hit 10K a month, 20K. And then I hit my first 50K a month. I was like, holy shit, like you can actually do this stuff. And then I hit 100K a month. And then you hear people making a mil a month. And you just realize it's like there's so m- many levels to this game. And a lot of people hear, oh, yeah, make a million a month. Yeah, right. And now that I hear that, like maybe years ago, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Now that I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that's 100% possible. And I can 100% do that because i think about all the limiting beliefs i had before all the beliefs i've shattered and it's like oh yeah if i want to hit a million a month i can 100% do it. if someone else has done it i can do it too you know i figured it out up until this point so why not me mm-hmm. so it, it was it shifted my my view around that but the problem's that came along with that is like you fall into the comparison trap it's like dude last co- this last cohort I think I made like 160K cash collected and then there's payment plans. I don't know what it will be total, but I was disappointed. Mm. Like I was I was disappointed I made that much. I thought I was going to make way more. And I just had to stop and think to myself, I'm like, dude, you just made $150,000 in a month and you're disappointed. So you can fall in that trap where you, you get used to a certain launch figure or making a certain amount of money. And since you're comparing it to previous uh, launches you did or previous numbers you did, you can be disappointed because it's relative. or you can look at other people ahead of you, you're like they made 500k in a month, and I only made 150. Bro, there's people trying to scrape by and make a thousand dollars a month. and you're here like, "Oh no, I only made 150k. it's like, shut up." You know, like, it's like I would have killed, my parents would have killed to fucking make that much money. My grandparents would kill to make that much money. So it's just making sure you're grateful along the way and not getting in the trap where you're comparing yourself to other people or or, I don't know, just like not being grateful, man. And another issue is like, as you scale, you bring in more complexity. So, you know, you bring in a closer, you bring in an appointment setter to handle DMs. You bring in a coach in the program, you bring in a client success manager, and you're managing all these people. Meanwhile, you just wanted to like, you know, make some money, chill out, have fun, do fun stuff. And then now you're doing this whole elaborate system as you scale because you're like, oh, I had to get bigger numbers. I got to get bigger numbers. It's easy to fall in that trap. A lot of us will like, oh, we want to skip the nine to five. And then we trade it for this thing where we're always working. And it's like, oh, I hate this. Right now I'm in the point where I'm like, I'm always working, but I like it. But right now I'm doing a lot of shit I don't like. And that's why I'm restructuring it. some things with my offer and the ecosystem I, I've built. But um, yeah, it's like, I don't think more money, more problems. I think more money, more opportunities for problems, but mm. uh, you get to choose your problems.
0: Damn. What you Those two things you just said hit so deep for me because a year ago when we did our podcast, I was in your cohort. At that time, I was just in college. And at that point, it was like, if I could just make a couple thousand dollars a month and not work a nine to five job, then I'll be happy. And then I did it, and then I was like living in Buenos Aires in Costa Rica, like making what from wherever like four to seven thousand dollars a month, working like two hours a day. But I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like enough. Like I need to take the next step, right? And it for me, it's been that comparison trap too, because at the time, all I cared about was just having that freedom. But now, as you move up in the game. You go from just a random kid who's starting to write on Twitter. You just like want to be a ghostwriter, make online money. Like you don't want to work the nine to five, and now you're comparing yourself to Dakota Robertson. You're comparing yourself to Dan Co. You're you're eventually comparing yourself to Alex Hormozzi. Like it never stops. So the comparison is just. This is a reminder to myself to just stay away from that game. And then the second thing you said about accidentally building yourself into the exact thing that you didn't want that's such a tricky game i watched this youtube video last week this one uh girl i can't remember her name but it was like i built a creator business and then i quit it i let i let it all go yeah yeah and she basically talked about how she accidentally like scaled 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 when it was just supposed to be a way to make money online and achieve freedom and she ended up building herself into a life she hated Um, and I think having that awareness of, okay, wait, there are things right now that I don't like, I need to continue to evolve and change beliefs and change my mindset. And today, literally like I've been going through some internal distress around like, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff right now that I, I don't feel fulfilled doing. There's a lot of meaningless work that I just want to get rid of. So I'm curious for you right now, like with that restructuring, what are you tweaking to move towards that ideal lifestyle?
1: Yeah, so like my main thing is like I don't want to manage people. Like I can do like some like I can do it, but I don't want to manage a sales team. Like I look at the these people at scale these coaching programs, and they have like all these closers, all these setters. I don't want to do that, man. Like I just want to help people. I want to make good money doing it, but I want to create content. At the end of the day, I love creating content, and I love helping people create their content and sharing what I learn. So I think, okay, how can I do that? All right, I. The reason why I have to have a closer and a setter um, or a closer at least is because the the price points higher because it's more hands on with the fulfillment. Like it's very hands on in this cohort. So I have to charge more to deliver like more value and sorry to decline a call. Um, so I'm thinking, OK, so if the fulfillment is what's causing the price to be higher, how can I, you know, s- change the fulfillment a bit? So I don't have to price it so high. So I don't have to have a closer and then I can still help people and deliver good solutions. So it's the kind of reverse engineering. So I'm going to uh, probably restructure how the cohorts built or like framed, I guess, and scale, make it a little bit less hands on and then get rid of a closer. Just have it where it's like, here's the price. Here's when we're doing the cohort. No closer. Just sign up here. That way, I don't get a magic closer. I'm going to look at sales calls. I'm going to worry about that bullshit. And then price points lower. And then I have a community where it's low ticket, and that way I can always drive traffic to that and get sales reoccurring from that. And it's also a trust building mechanism. So as people are in there, they're getting to know, like, and trust me just delivering a shit ton of value. So when I do these launches, it's like, oh, it's already built. I already know Dakota's, you know, knows this stuff. Let's go. And that way, you know, you just make more sales, uh, help more people and right off into the sunset. Um, so yeah, adding a low ticket community, like within a month or two here, then that's going to, be like the main focus of driving traffic because it's a big commitment if somebody doesn't really know you fully and they're like hey give me x amount of dollars and it's a lot it's like well it's going to be harder to convert but if you deliver value up front with a the community and then do the sale with the coaching program it's a lot easier and the mistake i made was i made a free community well it wasn't a mistake it was actually good i made a free community I got a bunch of people in there dude there's like 400 people in there 10 people show up to the calls people don't value free like you don't pay attention if you don't pay. So I got a bunch of market data from that though, because I made people apply. I didn't let anybody in. And I got to see who are who's my ICP, who's who's the people I want to work with, what are their pain points, what are their desires? And I leveraged that and I'm going to use that in the marketing and uh, structure the, the offer around that.
0: Nice. And with that low ticket community, how are you planning, if you're willing to share, how are you planning on uh, structuring the monthly price point? Is it monthly? Is it quarterly? Is it mostly based around ghost writing? Is it the full stack creator idea? What, how are you thinking about this?
1: No, so it's gonna be so determining price, um, but uh, it'll be under a hundred bucks a month, and then the the structure of it will be building a personal brand, how to build a personal brand, because I've done it on all the platforms except TikTok. Yeah, I think that's about it, and. I'm going to show people how to build a personal brand. So, like, you think about it as a funnel. What, like, how many people want to be ghostwriters? Like, I don't know how many people. It's not as big as, as many people that want to build a personal brand. So, if I can capture that attention, like, that wide attention with a, like, build your personal brand, join my community, then there's going to, I'm going to capture so many more people into that community, low ticket. And then when I want to sell them on ghostwriting, it's like, hey, you've already been building your personal brand. Do you want to do this for other people and get paid to do it? sure you're going to get convert more people from that so i think it's uh yeah easier to structure it that way but uh we'll see i don't know
0: and then are you considering any type of build it once sell it infinitely type of digital product
1: yeah like a course yeah um i'll have courses in the community but yeah i, I want to i think i want to build a writing course i think mm. that would be cool i think i could build a really good one but i The main focus of the community right now. And then I'll probably work on the course after and spend a good amount of time on that. But yeah, um, yeah, I'll definitely do a course in the future.
0: Yeah, once you like launch that first cohort, at least for me, it's revealed all the next steps that I couldn't see before. And it's like, holy shit, there's so much to build. I want to build a free course. I want to build a low ticket, uh, like kind of like a personal branding course. I want to build a high ticket course. I want to build a one-on-one program i want to build different cohorts it's like there's so much to build and so so little time and your attention is so spread thin um you only have so many hours in the day so like right now what does your normal day look like like how many hours are you working
1: bro it like blends together um i i haven't been as focused as i could been so it's like could be uh so i i i find myself juggling a lot of stuff like I'm right now I'm building systems for content I'm creating content for YouTube I'm writing a newsletter I'm writing tweets um I was building a content system <laughs> yeah a content system um I'm fulfilling for my cohort and building out new lessons for the cohort I was doing the marketing for my cohort so I've been like all over the place and just I haven't been as focused as I could be um I work all day every day like I, I probably work till like seven till five five um but there's like maybe a break or two in between i productive work like deep work i don't even know it's probably not that high because i just multitask and switch from task to task something i've been working on lately but yeah i'm i'm like yeah just all day pretty much i I love to work not lately but i love to work
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it goes through seasons where you're just like obsessed you're like i could do this all day and it's like oh my gosh this is a drag Um, and when you have all these different things going on, like you have to hold so many different things in your head. Like you have newsletter, YouTube, podcast, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, I'm probably missing some other stuff in there even like, and then course and then community. It's like, it's wild to hold all that stuff in your head. Um, and I think that's like, that's a big filter in terms of like, can somebody continue to build so much stuff? And like, now that I'm working within cortex like i'm kind of observing dan behind the scenes and i know you've lived with him for like a couple months
1: so like he lives in the same building as me right now
0: yeah yeah he does live in the same building yeah yeah. (laughs) what do you observe about him like how is he able to sustain those levels of focus and juggling all these different things
1: well first off dan is a robot and he's not real uh so there's that no i'm just kidding um dan's just like He's just very focused. When I lived with him, he's very, has routine. He ate the same stuff every day. He is like a robot. It's actually crazy. He's like, he's not, a, not afraid to like say no and like do his own stuff. He goes on his walks, listen to audiobooks. But he's just like, I think Dan is not the normal person. <laughs> Probably honest. not. I think Dan says, "Yeah, right. Two hours a day, do whatever you want. The rest of it. And most people aren't Dan, bro. Dan's a superhuman, and I think for most people, that's not feasible. Um, Dan's just like a robot, man. I don't get it. I mean, I do get it. He's he's just really talented and skilled, and I I think it. I think it's just like a lot of it's his DNA. I think he's just wired that way. Um, yeah, that." Yeah, he's a robot. I was right from the get-go. Yeah, he's a robot.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's literally always iterating. Like always fucking iterating. Like the minor, like really minor details. Landing page. How are we going to structure it? How are we going to do this stuff? It's really wild to see. It's admirable. But then again, you fall into that comparison trap of like how is he able to do this? Right. Um yeah, and right. so you're living in this apartment with like multiple creators. Like it's Dan, it's Nick Verge. I think Joey Justice is like moving in there too. Like, yeah. How has that been living with Nick Verge?
1: Cool, yeah, Nick's a crazy motherfucker. Um, I thought I was crazy. It was like, He just takes it to another level. And I'm even I'm like, whoa, like he's uh he's always like crazy. Like I'm like on and off. Like I was like, oh, okay, I can like tone it down. He's like always like like crazy, like extrovert in a good way. He's a great guy. Um but yeah, I've learned a lot from him. He was a smart dude. He's a brilliant marketer. He thinks about things in a really unique way, very articulate and very smart he's a very high iq guy um but uh no it's been it's been cool i've learned a lot from him and i think that's one of the biggest things on my journey just living with other men who are ambitious it sparks a lot of energy and ideas in you and it's cool man it's it's one of the best things i think men can do is move in with other ambitious people because it just you just raise each other up in a good way. So it's, yeah, it's been great. I and mean, we had a lot of laughs. Like, dude, we we have these different characters where we're like, oh, Mr. Navaj, like the world's most interesting man, or he'll do his Donald Trump impressions. Or like, we just, I don't know, we just riff all day on like improv random skits. And we just because we think it's funny, as literally all day. It's so funny. But um, yeah, someone would probably think we have schizophrenia if they walked in and observed. <laughs>
0: that's awesome yeah i can only imagine what it's like behind the scenes with you guys um but that's like one of the biggest hidden benefits of writing online that i've seen in the past years like the in-person connections you make one of my friends matt mick coined it like uh the url to irl pipeline like you meet people online and you take it offline and like i'm living in somebody's apartment right now for three months because he's gone traveling who i met through a podcast last night one of my friends connor widmeyer stayed with us who i met through a podcast like it's that's one of the biggest hidden benefits even beyond making money online having freedom it's like the people you meet is just incredible and speaking about that like people i've met like two people i've met through the internet talon simmons and matt mick we ended up doing ayahuasca together in the (laughs) jungle and we were hearing some behind the scenes about your experience too so um how long has that been since you've done since you've sat with ayahuasca and like do you still feel like those lessons, if there were lessons, are very prevalent in your life?
1: Yeah, so we, I think we did May, May or April, May, June. I think we did early June, late May. We did ayahuasca of last year. And yeah, man, I uh, definitely processed a lot of stuff like growing up with childhood. And I just felt a lot of empathy toward myself and my family and just realized how I could be showing up better in their lives. And yeah, those lessons stuck with me. And I mean, right away I I acted on it. Like I called uh, my loved ones and I just had good, deep conversations with them and told them how much I appreciate them and I love them. And yeah, I just find them more open with stuff and yeah, I just dealt with a lot of shit that I was closed off, more closed off toward uh, growing up. And um, yeah, it was, it was powerful. It was, yeah, it was really good for me. And I just, I react well with psychedelics typically. So I just, I think it treated me well. I know it was rough for some other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild how everybody's, situ- everybody's
0: experience was so unique. Like you can't replicate uh, an ayahuasca experience. Like I know Talon at one point when we were doing it, I don't think he'd mind me sharing it. He was like, I was literally staring at my grave. And like, yeah, he's just man. such an intense dude. Uh, whereas yeah, for me, it wasn't much like that. It was more, it was a lot of introspecting on childhood and like, who am I going to become in the world? Um, but I was terrified going into it. Were you scared <laughs> going into it?
1: I was just like a roller coaster. I'm, I'm more prone to be like a thrill seeker. So I, I'm more open to stuff like that. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know what's going to happen. I was like running through scenarios of like, it's like right before a roller coaster, like this is kind of scary, but this is kind of cool. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. And for me, it was great. It was amazing time. There was one point on the second trip where it was starting to go a bit dark and I was like, oh shit, I'm starting to see some like creepy things. But then I just accepted it. I'm like, okay, if that's what I got to see, I got to see it. And that's when it went away. It was when I was resisting it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then I remember it's like, no, you just got to accept it. And that's when it just melted away and it just went good. I was like, oh, it's just what it is. So no yeah it's yeah it's it's really intense and I think you gotta with ayahuasca or any psych- psychedelic you have to be okay with death and really accept things for what they are I think it forces you to confront those things and when I was sixteen I did mushrooms and i I thought I was dying I thought I lived my whole life and that's when I had an ego death and i I, I had a lot of a, a i lost my fear of dying like I still like don't want to die but like, I accepted it a lot more. Wow. 16 is
0: early for that. I can't imagine trying it at 16. I
1: did. I did. That was the first thing I did before drinking. I When I was 13, I got magic mushrooms and I I did them. I used to before smoking weed, before drinking. That was the first thing I ever did. It's crazy. Holy shit.
0: You must be just like yeah. crazy high on the openness trait. That's,
1: yeah, that's I probably am. what it is. I am. 100%. Yeah. I'm very high on openness.
0: Wow. And do you think that these will continue to be a important part of your life going forward
1: psychedelics yeah yeah i i don't think it's like oh i need to do them but i I just see it as a tool where it's like yeah like i would like to do it's like a nice little reset you know every so often i don't normally do mushrooms or or psychedelics but um yeah like i i, I like them i think it's a nice reset i think it I think we can get caught up in these mindsets or these these ways of thinking, and what psychedelics does is it brings you out of that and allows you to observe it from a bird's eye view. And like, oh, is that useful or is that not? Oh, I never thought of it like that. So I think, yeah, I think in the future, I'll I'll continue to do it. Um, Maybe stop when I'm seventy or something. (laughs) Yeah,
0: or when you just hit enlightenment. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it as well. Just like a pattern interrupt every you don't want to put a time on it but like three to six months for me seems like the right thing and you just are able to observe like am i on the right path and you i have normally noticed like i've slipped off the path in one area of life like maybe okay my health i haven't been taking it as seriously if i should and you see what the long-term consequences are gonna be or it's like i've been neglecting my relationships i need to open back up like it's been incredibly powerful and it seems like that's such a common theme among the creator economy like I think it's more rare that people haven't done psychedelics in the creator economy than they have.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you think about like the openness trait, you're probably, if you're a creator, you're probably more on the openness trait. If you're more on the openness trait, you're more likely to do psychedelics, more likely to get tattoos, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's why you see a lot of these creatives with tattoos and all this like, you know, stuff because it's the trait of openness.
0: Speaking on the creative front, Aside from business, do you have any ideas of like other creative endeavors that would be, be like more passion projects to tap into that creativity in the future?
1: I think travels an amazing one, man. Like you think about creativity, I view it as a spider web, connecting different things. Like What makes something creative? It's like, oh, I never thought of putting that that together before i think that's why dan's you know so successful is because he connects he reads a lot a lot he connects all these ideas together to form these original ideas and i think one of the best ways to do that is go travel because you're exposing yourself to new people to new environments there's something called epigenetics where like i think it unlocks i don't know new traits or something i don't i don't know the science behind it just google genetics. no you're spot
0: on like i think i heard that from peterson jordan peterson that yeah. like certain traits or certain things in your genetics can't turn on unless you're in the environment to yeah. bring them out and that's how i started writing yeah. online um, yeah that's how i found your stuff actually <laughs> after traveling
1: yeah <laughs> gotcha my my web um <laughs> me the but it's also like storytelling too it's one of the best ways to create content is to tell stories and the only way you get to tell stories is by go do stuff and if you're doing the same thing and you're in the same environment it's like how many like new things are you trying i got so many stories from traveling and i use that in my content and i can refer back to that to explain a lesson or an idea and it's uh, super powerful because it's not only educating but it's entertaining
0: Mm. would you ever do another like very free, no obligations type of like backpacking trip that I know you did a very 100%. long time ago.
1: I want to get back to that, bro. It's not fun as fun to travel when you're working because it's just like you're just working in a new place. It's not really travel in my opinion. I think, yeah, true travel is when you just go out and just try these these things and just don't worry about, oh, what do I go, like post tomorrow or like do whatever. Uh, like the most free I ever felt was when I was. 1920 in asia and i just wasn't working i was just traveling it was the most amazing experience met so many amazing people and had so many crazy memories
0: yeah the cool thing about what we're doing too is like we can do that if we want to but there's always like that sunk cost or like that Mm -hmm. idea of oh shit, i should be working i could do another cohort this month or this quarter and make 100 150k or I could mm. sacrifice that and just completely be free. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot because similar to you, when I backpacked two summers ago, I was 20, like no obligations really. I was taking online Spanish class, but that was it. And it was the most free I ever felt in my life. And I want to get back to that. So I'm planning on doing a trip June through August where I'm going to run a mini cohort this March, another cohort April, May, and then like build, basically take the curriculum from that cohort and just launch it as a digital product in June. And then in the summer, no cohorts, no coaching, nothing. And just like three months, go travel Europe, maybe go Southeast Asia and write, pretty much just write, but with no pressure or obligations. That's where my head is at right now. And I'm super excited about that.
1: Yeah, man. I think that would be cool. I mean, I yeah that's the the best thing about this you could just if you want to do that you could totally do it it's why not it's badass turn into content
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it'll turn into more content down the road yeah so with the travel like when you and you and Taylor are going to uh you guys are going to Europe again soon right
1: yeah I've never been um so I'll be going after we go to e d c in las Vegas and yeah i'm I'm, I'm stoked i've never Never been to Europe before, so it'll be interesting. Where are you gonna go? So probably London, and after that, I don't know. <laughs> wherever the, I, yeah, wherever the wind goes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the best way
0: to do it, I think. Like no, yeah. having no plan and just going. Mm-hmm. I think you'll love yeah. it. You'll love Europe. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to Southeast Asia though, so I want to know more about it. Mm-hmm. Like, what parts of Southeast Asia were you in?
1: I did a month in Thailand, a month in Vietnam, and a month in Cambodia. Vietnam was my favorite. Oh, it's amazing. The food in Thailand's amazing. And there's a lot of cool stuff to do. A lot of parties you can go if you're into that. But I wasn't so much into that. Uh, we still went out quite a bit. That's <laughs> a crazy times. So, um, but yeah, Cambodia's. I wasn't a huge fan of. Shot a rocket launcher there. That was the entire reason I went. That was badass. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. there. super cheap, really beginner friendly. And you meet a lot of cool people there really safe. And yeah, good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the main appeal to me about going and doing that backpacking trip is actually being able to detach from that identity or that obligation as a creator. Cause I'm curious for you because I feel like this sometimes like we're on this treadmill a little bit We're like have to be writing content, have to be doing newsletter, have to be doing YouTube. Like, do you find it hard or difficult sometimes to detach from this stuff or even to detach your identity from this stuff
1: yeah I find yeah it's like you always have to be creating content well especially if you're scaling on multiple platforms it's like you got to create some elaborate systems and you got to know how to repurpose and but it's good though because I like it because it even the days I don't feel like creating content, I create content. Literally yesterday, I didn't feel like writing a newsletter. I created a newsletter. I've never missed a, a, a week. And I think it forces you to level up, like having that discipline, because it's just what you do. When you adopt that identity, like I am a fit person. I don't feel like going to the gym today. I'm going to the gym because that's who I am. And having that discipline, yes, there are constraints and like it forces you to do something, but that's what That's the thing that also gives you freedom to deviate from that, if you wanted to, hypothetically. Like the reason you can go out and travel is to like escape or do whatever is because you're creating content and you're it's providing leverage. The reason you can eat that cheesecake and not feel guilty or like not be a fat fuck is because you go to the gym and you you you're disciplined, and that that act of doing something consistently is. It really brings order in your life and i think you need that it's way better to have that than just to be free all the time um so i I like it and even on the days i don't like it i like it (laughs) um it just yeah forces you to level up that's why i like business and that's why i like content and all this stuff
0: and how do you build that discipline muscle over time
1: man it's like some people just don't want it enough because they haven't felt the pain point of the alternative I know what's waiting for me on the other side if I don't have all this stuff going and, you know, I'm executing and that scares the shit out of me. But also putting tactical anxiety into your life. So, for example, with the cohort, when I launched it to begin with, I didn't have it built out because I kept procrastinating before because I was trying to build it out before selling it. I just marketed the cohort. I built the first week of lessons and then sold everyone into it and then I just stayed a week ahead and what that did was like it forced me to stay consistent because if I didn't then I'd have all these people like what the hell why didn't you get this done and I'm like oh I just look like an idiot so you can put in those those guardrails in your life to make you do stuff because the pain would be more than your you know lack of discipline because like oh, I'm gonna get this done because I don't want that pain point. And doing stuff like that. I also like, if you wanna get tactical, like I have app blockers, so I don't like go on my phone. I have, I literally bought a physical case with a timer and a lock for my phone. So like a lockbox, So I can't access that at all. Uh, so there's finding ways to make it hard to do the wrong thing. Like, mm-hmm. cause I think us humans are like, ah, oh, I can watch like five minutes of this. And then next thing you know, two hours later. So you're just making it not an option in the first place or making a big pain point if you don't do the thing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that frame, tactical anxiety, and I'm kind of experiencing that right now. So I'm about to launch a new program in six days, and uh, I have like about to be done with the first week, and then I don't have anything past that, and so I have to get it done. (laughs) But it Mm. is such a common theme of people in the creator economy, especially as you level up in the game, it seems. is like so many creators struggle with anxiety, like they're, they're fueled by anxiety. And while on one hand, it could be good for sp- like sparking action and getting shit done. Like on the other hand, it's like, I don't want to live in a state of perpetual anxiety. And so I'm working on that internally of like, and externally, like, what can I change in my business? What can I change in my life to live in an internal state of peace right now? Um. So I don't know, how have you navigated that? increasing amounts of responsibility and pressure and anxiety as you've leveled up in the game
1: lifting weights (laughs) i think i got a a good stress tolerance because i've lifted weights for so long and it's helped a ton um but also just realizing like saying no that is one of the most that is a skill everyone needs to learn and that's something i have to constantly remind myself is it's funny because at the start when you're creating content, when you're trying to build your business, you ought to say yes, 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 yes. That's how you get your opportunity. But to scale, you have to learn to say no, 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 no. And just like, it's hard, man, because you're thinking this is, but you know, accepting these opportunities is how I got here. And you're thinking, oh, to get from point A to B, it's the same to get from point B to C. It's like, no. Each level requires a different skill set, different decision-making, different mental models, and you have to realize a lot of the stress in your life is like you bring it on yourself, and it's the decisions you make and the responsibilities you take on that create that stress. Me, for example, with the cohort, it's been causing a lot of stress because, at least the marketing and all that, because it's just like dealing with a lot of stuff. I put on these like deadlines on myself, like I'm launching this this moment or this, this date. And it's like, dude, that's like a month away. You don't have anything prepared. It's like that caused a lot of stress. So yeah. it's like, a lot of it's like self-inflicted or yeah, man, it, it's, it's, um, it's st- taking a step back and realizing, okay, I have all this stress, what caused it and how do I prevent that in the future? Because a lot of people, they think, oh, I'm just always stressed. Oh, there's nothing I can do. The moment you stop taking responsibility for your life is the moment you lose control. Because if it's not your fault, then there's nothing, you know, you're 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 choosing to relinqu- relinqu- relinquish power. So with everything I do, I always take responsibility for my situation. Okay, I'm stressed. I'm not enjoying this. It's my fault. What did I do? How do I prevent this? How do I make a change? And think it through. So... Yeah. Um, and I just pay smart people to tell me what to do too. I just I just look at people that are where I want to be in life. I pay them to learn a skill or a trade or whatever. And then I just do what they say. And that's been one of the best hacks of my life. So yeah.
0: Yeah. What are some of those things that you have found that are difficult to say no to? that you continue (laughs) to say yes to, despite not wanting to really do it.
1: So there's one actually came up recently. This uh, DJ is this link or this, yeah, it's like a link, link software or something. He got like number one on product hunt or whatever, but he offered me equity to help with the content like help promote it, like be a, like a partner of it. I'm like, damn, that's like, fuck, I want to do that. But I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, but like, can I really do his stuff in mine and both at excellent quality? It's like, no, I honestly can't. I want to do this, probably make good money. But to be fair to him and be fair to myself, I can't do this. I can't say yes, even though I wanted to say yes. So I told him, dude, I respect what you're building. I love what you're building. I, I want to do this, but I don't think I would create quality content or that I have the necessary experience um, and or the time to learn how to do this for you. Um, although I would like to, but um yeah, I, I I wish you the best. So I just say no to that. But yeah, it's just like opportunities with money, man. Like just it's hard. Like when someone's like telling you, hey, you know, you want to make some money. Yeah. That sounded kind of weird. Um, but <laughs> uh just saying no to that. And same with with sponsorships, dude. I get I've been getting a lot of sponsorship opportunities lately. Like I had HubSpot reach out to me, they want to sponsor my YouTube, but I was like I don't use HubSpot, so I can't promote that like ethically, like when it comes to the integrity thing. It's like, if I don't use something, I'm not going to tell people they should use it. I'm not going to say I like use something that I don't. Um, so like that, or I don't know what else, but it's just like, just stuff to make money or like someone asks you to do something as well. Hey, man, can you do this for me? It's like, no, sorry. And not feeling bad about it. So like you got your own stuff going on me, I I've had people pleasing tendencies in the past. And when someone asked me to do something I automatically, like I want to help them, I want to, I want to be liked, but it's just realizing, no, that's not good for you. And ultimately, it's not good for them, because you're going to resent them, or you're not going to show up with like quality work in other people's lives, because you're taking up so much of your time. Um, so it's like, Learning to value yourself and your time and realizing when you take care of yourself, you're also taking care of other people around you because you're, you're focusing on the thing that matters. And that's what gives you the resources to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, But like being like really clear, what's the needle mover? What's the one thing? Like that's the only reason I've been seeing success in my life because I've just been hyper focused. I was focused on creating content like a madman, got good at that. And then I was focused on ghostwriting for other people and creating their content, got good at that. Then I was focused on teaching people on how to do what I did and focused on that. So it's like, it was the same focus just at different levels. And that's what gave me the leverage, the compounding to, you know, make more money and help more people. So It's just the ability to say no to everything and focus on the thing that matters is is super important.
0: Yeah, you hit on so many things there that are so relevant for me right now. Um, The first one about just like turning down opportunities that you probably once would have been so excited for. Like I got a text today from a good friend, like, hey, how much would you charge for like writing me a weekly newsletter and helping me grow it? And instantly I was like, oh, okay, like this could be an extra like 2K a month. Like that would be really nice. And then my friend was like, why does the 2K a month matter? And I was like, uh, I don't know. It makes, it makes me feel a little bit more safe, gives me a little bit more security, etc. But he's like, what's the cost? And it's like outsourcing your creativity, taking the three hours you'd write the newsletter for somebody else instead of putting that into your own and making it really fucking good. Um, so that's something that I'm navigating right now too. And then you hit an interesting point on the people-pleasing nature. Like I have had that tendency throughout my whole life. And I think maybe it serves us well in some ways, Right. Maybe we started writing online and trying to get likes and trying to get followers for that validation um, of that people-pleasing nature. But something that I'm working at right now is being okay with rubbing somebody the wrong way, knowing that your own intentions were pure without feeling bad about it. That's been something I'm really working on. So how do you navigate that? Like not feeling bad.
1: Honestly, it's, it's just accepting myself and, and realizing my worth more and more. And I think you try at the start to like do it for everybody, like help everybody out and like whatever. And then you realize like, this isn't sustainable. Like, what am I doing? And and then it starts to happen so much. Like, dude, I get so many DMs now all the time. Uh, 'cause I'm all, all these all, all these different platforms, people hitting me up for stuff. I just ignore most people because it's like I just I can't do it. Like if I was if I was answering DMs all day, like I would go crazy. And it's like I just learn like I can't feel bad because just like if I wouldn't if if I if I was to do this, like the reason they're reaching out to me is because of my content that resonates. Well if I answer all their their dms and then that's going to take away from the thing that made them resonate with me in the first place and so you can't feel bad for that man or you know the same thing for other things but um yeah it's just like you get to a point where it's just it's just like i'm fed up with it like i don't care anymore it's like whatever mm-hmm. fuck it if you get mad over that whatever that's your problem <laughs> it's like really
0: yeah and yeah. with that like Something that I feel a lot, and I know you wrote about this a while ago, I think it was like an off the cuff type of like just the long tweet stream of consciousness, which I resonated with a lot of the time. But I've resonated with it more and more as I've gone farther in the game is feeling guilty about being bad about responses. Like when you have all these messages across different platforms, because I know when you wrote that tweet, like. I think maybe you were feeling a little bit of guilt or you were feeling bad that you couldn't get back to people maybe in your personal life maybe friends in the creator game like you just can't stay on top of it so how have you navigated that since writing that tweet maybe it was like 9 12 months ago
1: yeah yeah man like it, it i i do feel bad sometimes because like I, a lot of my good friends like i just don't reply to um like it's draining for me like it sounds like, oh, boo who are you going to reply a message. It's like, yeah, when you're getting, like, a ton of message every day, just – and, like, I just don't enjoy that stuff. I don't enjoy text. Like, I like calls. Um, but yeah, it's draining when, like, everyone's trying to pull your attention and get your attention, and then, you know, you feel bad because the people – like, some of your friends might think, oh, you think she's too good for me or whatever. It's like, no, man. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, a lot. And it's just – I don't – I like my privacy too, and I, like, want to shut off. And yeah. that's the thing too, it's like, it feels like you're, you're always being pulled in some direction or someone's always trying to get your attention. And it's, it's crappy because I know what it's like to be on the other end where you message someone, you know, when I was starting out, you don't get a response like, damn, like I really like that person. And I wish they like, I wish I could get a response. And I know how much it means when you do get a response, you're like, holy shit, they responded. And, um, yeah, it's crappy. Cause like, I, I, yeah, I want to be able to like respond to everybody but it's just not feasible. Um but yeah, the, like what changed? I mean, I kind of have a filter system where social media DMs are like the lowest priority. If there's someone I know, I'll give them my Telegram. Uh if it's someone personal, I'll give them my phone number and yeah, I just got like these different different systems or like yeah. different platforms for different people. I just bought a new phone, like a separate phone, like a Google phone. I I love iPhone, but I've got a Google phone because I don't want it to be connected to like any iPhone stuff. So my iPhone stuff's personal, Google phones work. And then just trying to create the barriers where, you know, work and personal are separate because I find they both mix in. It's so annoying.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I might have to look into doing that like two phone system too, because... Like I have friends on Telegram, for example, that text me, like creator friends, but they text me on Telegram and my Telegram's a fucking mess and I can't stay on top sure. of it. And then yeah, I have like iMessages, yeah. messages, I end up seeing a text from like one of my really good high school friends or college friends that it's like, Oh fuck, I haven't responded in three weeks. Like I
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: And I just I feel so bad and then you try to apologize for it, but then it makes you feel even more bad. And then (laughs) on this treadmill of apologizing and feeling sorry. But I think over time, people's expectations recalibrate and they understand what you're doing the more and more. I mean, that's just an honest conversation too. I try to have with people, even like family sometimes, which is, I know is bad, but like, sometimes I'll go like two or three days. And I like, I haven't responded to a text from my cousin. I haven't picked up the phone from my grandparents. I'm like, Oh my God, like. Am I a shitty person or am I just drowning in stuff? Do I need to figure out new systems? Those are some of these things about this game that, again, it's like boohoo. Like you have a lot of messages, you have followers, whatever. But it can be extremely draining. And then I end up just wanting to completely avoid it. Like it's Friday night. I haven't checked my texts all week. And I'm like, I just want to put my phone away and like do something completely <laughs> else. And then it gets yeah. even worse. It just spirals. Yeah, I, I resonate. And you
1: throw comments into that too, man. The people oh, yeah. comment on your posts and you're like, bro, you get like sometimes 500 comments a day. You're like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. This isn't sustainable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's where you need to like cultivate that. Like you need to know your inner circle. I actually did this exercise at the start like a year and a half ago and I had no, I had like 800 followers, but I was already starting to feel the overwhelm of like Twitter replies, Twitter DMs, messages, school. And I did this circle with my therapist at the time or this exercise. It was like these concentric circles and you make like your really inner circle. Like who are those five to 10 people that if they call, if they text, you're going to be there for them all the time. Then you have your secondary and then you have like pretty much everybody else and you can't feel bad about anybody on the outside circle. That was really relevant. I might have to revisit that exercise because mm. um, it just helped me take Am away. Am I in your yeah. circle, Jack? I'd say you're probably in the secondary. Space.
1: <laughs> probably. <laughs> <You> fuck. <laughs> i <was> just kidding. <laughs> no, no, but I always
0: do appreciate you responding on Telegram too, because I, I can only yeah. imagine you're just flooded.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a shit show. Twitter micro. I always got time you for you, problems. <laughs> I know. It's so rough.
0: <laughs> so where do you see this evolving for you?
1: The uh, Creator space? Yeah, for me? personally. Um. I think YouTube is going to be a final boss. I'm um, growing on that. I think I, I putting my main focus on that because I just, just, I think Twitter and YouTube are like the big dogs. Twitter right now is a shit show. I, it's not good for growth. But I mean, it's it's still my baby. I love it. And it's free speech. And then YouTube's great for nurturing. And dude, you have like 100k subs on YouTube. You're set but YouTube's just amazing for growth. The the bar to enter is way higher, but I think long-term, like if someone's watching your YouTube videos every week and you're building that connection, like people connect with video more than anything because they can see here and um, understand your ideas. So I see LinkedIn, threads, Instagram, Twitter as ways to funnel traffic to my newsletter or my YouTube. And then I see those platforms as a way to funnel traffic to my offers. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah, Yeah, it's like- So I'm putting a focus on that.
0: If you say the top of funnel, like you think top of funnel is kind of just social media, but it's really like short form is like top top of funnel. Then it's like the medium form. Then it's your free stuff. Then it's your low ticket community. Then it's your course. Then it's your offer. Like you can, once you build out that whole ecosystem too, it's really exciting um but there's so much to build but yeah man i i'm with you on the youtube game like i've been mostly just posting podcasts for like the past year like no editing podcast which i kind of like it that way just raw conversation like i i've realized i don't i don't like preparing like i do better when i don't prepare because i'm more present so like don't take the wrong way but i didn't prepare because i just wanted to be like completely present for this podcast but now that i've started on youtube i see it as this long really long game really long compounding game but it's so valuable and this is like a data point for anybody that's interested in like the long form content game is i launched my first cohort last black friday it's still running it's almost done it has like a week left and out of the 25 or so people that joined over half of them said they joined because they listened to my podcast which I find really interesting because like my average podcast probably gets like a hundred views. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but I heard—I actually heard Dan Co say one time like a hundred podcast listeners or you could even say a hundred YouTube video listeners are more valuable than like 10,000, 20,000 Twitter followers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think about the relationship you have with them, hello to the person listening um <laughs> but you think about the relationship this person listening right now this is very meta now fourth wall breaking but you who who's listening to this right now think about how many podcasts you probably listen to jack moses maybe this is the first one or maybe this is your 50th one i don't know how many you've done but when you're hearing somebody every day and you can hear the tonality in their voice you hear their ideas you hear them use weird analogies and stories and stuff you just connect with them more than seeing oh it's just some tweet like it's, it's more intimate like I'm whispering into your ear right now. Uh, it's more intimate. <laughs> Sorry to weird, weird you out, but it's more intimate when you're listening to somebody and hearing their voice than it is than watching some text on a screen. Um, it's more personal.
0: Yeah. But yeah. And with Twitter right now, like it, it is very hard to grow, uh, at least harder than when I started, it seems, because it seems like a baseline <laughs> level. Like at, at first you could write threads and pop, Like pretty much with any broad personal development type of platitude thread. Now, if you do that, like you're not standing out. So I've noticed that you seem to be like really experimenting on there. Like you're posting Mm -hmm. these picture tweets, you're posting videos, Mm -hmm. like you're posting all Mm -hmm. these different things. What's your thought process right
1: now? (laughs) That's repurposed stuff. So what, like to scale on, I'm scaling on LinkedIn, Instagram threads and Twitter and YouTube right now. And you think about, I can't create content for all these platforms. So Mm -hmm. how can I create once and have it published many times? So the way I think, I can create a screenshot, like I'll take my tweets and I'll get my VA to create a screenshot of it. So that's why you see on Twitter, I have a screenshot of a tweet. (laughs) They'll, They'll make a screenshot of it, but I'll write a description for it. And I have two descriptions. So I have a long form description and I have a short form description for that that post, that picture. And the long form description goes on LinkedIn. It goes on YouTube and it goes on Instagram. The short form description goes on threads and it goes on Twitter because of the character limit. And so now I, I write the long form description. I have the picture. And then for the short form description, I just take a piece from the long form or condense it down. Boom, I have content for all the platforms. Same thing with video. I have a long form description. I have a short form description. And then I have the video published on all the platforms with the correct description. So it's um, it's me repurposing stuff. And I also take the from my tweets. I find I just tweet so much. I take the best performing ones. And that's what determines, you know, what the screenshot tweets are. So and then I can also take the best performing tweets, turn it into a YouTube script. Or take the description I wrote for one of the previous posts, turn that into a script. Uh, I take my newsletter, I turn that into a long-form YouTube script. Uh, so finding ways just to repurpose is like the biggest hack ever, and you you need a good system in place for that. I created a crazy system for that that I've just been um, leveraging. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been it's been a pain in the ass, but I, I'm starting to get it nailed.
0: Yeah, once you get that system down and it can go on autopilot, you can stop thinking about it so much and you can just think about ideas, which is so liberating. Um, I've kind of a similar system. I'm just starting to figure out Instagram a tiny bit, LinkedIn a tiny bit. But those are kind of tertiary, like secondary focuses. For me, it's just newsletter, Twitter, podcast, YouTube. That's the main focus. But if you were trying to grow, like say you were starting on Twitter right now, what would you do? What would your approach be?
1: I would do one to three posts a day. I would do one to three long form threads uh, a week. I would do one DM giveaway a week. I would take one of those threads I've written and I would just use that for a DM giveaway, so to repurpose it, so make it a valuable thread. And then I would hop on Twitter Spaces if I like, you know, found ones that are popping off. I could talk in, uh, maybe host my own. Um, and if I was to host my own, I would interview the top creators and ask them really good questions. And that way I can leverage their audience to uh, grow my following. And then I would comment 20 plus times a day. And uh, that's about it. And then just do that consistently.
0: Yeah, it's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> it's simple. Well, but- yeah, it's
1: like the main thing is people don't have anything to say. They're, they're creating content that's really broad or they don't say things in an easy to understand way so it's man learning to write is one of the best skills you can learn because then you can figure out how to say things interestingly how to capture attention and that's why you see all these writers that started on twitter that's dominating these video platforms because they learned how to write they know how to create content in an engaging way so yeah it's uh highly recommended to learn to write
0: agreed it's completely changed my life and i'll end it with this I joined Dakota's Growth Ghost last January while I was in college, literally was door dashing to make enough money to pay for the cohort and I paid for it. And three months later, I dropped out of college full time ghostwriting income and I have not looked back. So I'm super grateful for your work, dude. Like it's impacted my life more than you probably realize and it's impacted other people's lives a lot more than you realize, too.
1: Thank you, brother. Yeah, no, it's it's really meaningful to hear stories like that kind of tearing up right now because <laughs> uh, I, I know what it's like to to be in that position and to, to like not like where you're at or like be broke as fuck so it's cool to i make money doing it but i also get to help people out so no i appreciate that man i'm, I'm really i'm really happy for you because it's been amazing to see like how much you're crushing it and what you're doing and you think about the ripples effects of that and like how many people you've helped and then how many people they'll help so yeah man i appreciate you thank you of
0: course man and just to end it just a recap, what can people expect from you soon? Launches, community, et cetera.
1: I'll have a low ticket community uh, probably launching end of March, maybe early April. And in that, I'll show you how to build your personal brand on social media and how to write and like general business stuff, like how to monetize it because I've actually done those things. And uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty, pretty bitching as the nope. kids say.
0: <laughs> so i'm super excited no to see that.
1: You, man. yeah man yeah we'll <laughs> get you we'll get you we will get you in there course, um but yeah i appreciate you man
0: of course thank you